Thanks for listening to the Wannabes Podcast. This is a Smash Brothers Melee-centered podcast hosted by two power-ranked players in New York City, JD and Wasabi. And every week we talk about our journey, our experiences, and the lessons we've learned from competing in the best game ever made. If you support us, give us a follow on Twitter at SSB underscore wannabes with one E. There you'll find links to our Discord, our YouTube videos, as well as getting notified on whenever the new episode is up. Anyways, enjoy the show. This is The Wannabes, episode 30. My name is JD. This is Wasabi, a.k.a. Will. What's up, everyone? And we have an interesting topic. I mean, Big House happened. Obviously, we watched Big House. We're hype about Big House. But that tournament kind of spawned a bigger community conversation, right? Um, Mm -hmm. If you look on Twitter, even Reddit, Everywhere, people are freaking out about the payouts that were given to the top eight players. And Leffen's in on this, IBDW is in on this, and now community leaders, everyone, is giving their takes on the whole making money on Smash situation. Will, have you tweeted about it yet? I did. I chose not to tweet about it. I, I, like, I like the stuff that Rishi and Nico said, and I side with that, but... I'm just not a Twitter talker per se, so I sort of let let it be. Yeah, well, we have our own platform, of course, and honestly, uh, it, it's a topic that I think is uh, kind of right in our wheelhouse. It's something we talk about all the time, um, and it's interesting that it kind of just popped out out of a tournament that I thought everyone was going to be really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's kick it off. There was a, a tweet by... Um, by Jackzilla. I'm just going to pull it up really quick, so bear with me. Yeah, yeah, no worries. And and while you're doing that, like, let me just sort of say that, like, you know, with, with this topic, I think it's really interesting because, you know, I think that we're becoming more and more self-aware as a community about sort of the possibility of Melee sort of in the esports slash grassroots spectrum. So that, like, the... You know, before I think in like 2014, 2016 range, that's when like a lot of people were getting swept up by like the sponsorships and all of that. And now that that's sort of dying down, we're sort of sort of realizing, you know, where we stand in that spectrum of esports, you know, between Fortnite to non-existent. Right, right. And that kind of ties into what what Jackzilla's tweet was, which I think is a good place to, to kick off as well. He goes... I like the discourse around melee monetization. This discourse tends to follow events where we've put on a hell of a show, where people are filled with joy and ask, why aren't people buying this good shit we're selling? So the fact that Mango won a tournament and then this conversation's happening, um, Jack argues that that's not a surprise. We are looking at this kind of product that we have, this community, this melee game that we play, and looking around and being like, yo, why aren't people buying into this the same way we have? Um, This brings me so much enjoyment. So many people, 90,000 people, right? That's kind of the number that's confounding people is 90,000 people are watching. Why can't we pull in some real money? And uh, there's a lot of other places to kind of go with this. I want to hear your thoughts on um, what do you think is most pressing to kind of start off on? Yeah, so I think the most pressing thing is that there's sort of this disconnect where we have this incredible community and these incredible events, as Jack Zilla said. And, you know, you do see Mango just, like, outright make more money from gambling and stuff like that. And I think the... <laughs> but, you know, while that is comical, I think it really does bring up an issue of, like, money and, su- like, sustaining the community. But in real life, we're not talking about, like, sustaining the community. Like, Melee is going to keep on continuing. What we're trying to really get at is... Can people from melee, you know, sustain them like a life, right? And unfortunately, I just don't think it really is super possible. Like we saw Zero, who I think you know won fifty-two tournaments in a year and only came out with a total of like maybe forty-five k by the end of the year. You know, that is entry-level job. Like that's an entry-level job in New York, 
you know that, that that's what i started with when i got out of college and you know while that is sad i think there are different routes in a way to align being good at melee but with other things and i think obviously the biggest thing is streaming right you see you know a lot of smash players be a streamer and that's a full-time job with melee as their like focus like in focal point for the community people who watch them but streaming is their job and i think that's sort of a different uh indication i want to make just because you know you need to have a job on top of melee you know whether that is as an influencer content creator twitch streamer or just like a regular like you know business research whatever gig you know yeah i i totally agree that you need a job on top of it and for most people it's uh you know either a student right and that's how Mm -hmm. i started i was a student and i played melee and um obviously when you get down to the top players which is really kind of what we're talking about um you have to make a decision right so Mm -hmm. um let's look at i don't want to look at ibdw i want to just get rid of a myth really quick that he talked about on twitter where um it's going around that he quit law school to pursue smash but it was more so he quit law school for you know um, kind personal of, reasons for personal reasons and then decided if i'm gonna you know try to be happy i'm gonna pursue smash so and that's different but um at the top level you know armada hungry box for a while um i guess mango um you know if you're at that top level then it's it's still hard but you know it's possible so if you're thinking about what it takes to get to that level there are people that feel like they need to give everything over to the game and if they aren't you know grinding on you know net play and streaming it and practicing the game and going to tournaments all the time then they're not going to be able to pursue their dream right that's like the the top echelon of play Mm -hmm. and i think that's really where the conversation is is focused around right now um and then we're kind of having i think there's there's kind of like orbiting arguments to it also so there's another argument mm-hmm. going on. And when I say argument, I kind of mean, I don't necessarily mean like a stance. I mean sort of um, point of contention and points of view, right? So there's the whole um, player versus TO discussion going on right now where people are saying, oh, if the players deserve money, then the TOs deserve money too. Mm-hmm. There's also the argument, and I, I kind of want to go in, into these in a little bit, if that's cool with you. But yeah, yeah, let's um, go into it. Yeah, so let, let's just start with that. So players versus tos, right? So my main point on on this particular um, argument is that when players are putting their time into melee or smash, whatever, um, that is kind of the skill they're developing is the gameplay. So some people might also, you know, stream and develop the skill of streaming. Um, and then that's, you know, the secondary skills with that. But realistically, their main skill they're fostering is gameplay, getting better at a game. But TOs, streamers, and other, you know, people that make the tournaments happen, I argue that they are in a better position ultimately because they are developing marketable skills as well as developing a a resume that they can use to get jobs, right? That is true, though. If you think about it, what's kind of funny is that TOing and all that sort of stuff is like the equivalent of like an unpaid internship at Google. (laughs) Sure. No, I agree. Like, there's definitely a... a, a, I, I sympathize with the TOs also because they are completely like misunderstood and they get you know they get shit on by leffin all the time and uh, it's incredibly difficult to to make everyone happy it's almost impossible especially when it comes to like seating mm-hmm. to make everyone happy and there's so many pitfalls and and you know things going against tos but um look at um look at a to like plank for instance when when i met plank he he talked about this new job that he got that was an in, uh, event managing job you know, and so that was a direct response to him putting in work as a TO. Now, granted, maybe it shouldn't take you 10 years of TOing to get a job that you like. And, and maybe the um, the drawbacks, especially in his case, where he 
I think went bankrupt. Don't quote me on that, but he, he spent a shitload of his own money. Like you go case by case and there's all these things that pop up, but I think, I think you're right. Getting a, getting an internship is not the end all be all and it's still unpaid and bullshit. But at the end of the day, you're, you're putting your passion towards something. Most TOs, if they do it, they, they get some enjoyment out of it, but they could turn around and leverage that into a job at least more, more so than a player. And I think that's kind of not saying we need to take player sides in all of this or that everything Leffen says shitting on TOs and that there's like this inner conspiracy that TOs are taking everyone's money and all this shit, like not saying that's true, but I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of an important context to flesh out a little bit before we keep going. And it's kind of a reason why I tend to um, focus more on the player's experience more so than the TOs, just kind of putting that out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Do you have anything anything on that also? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's tough when you think about like I think that the problem is that people are at least what I've seen on Twitter is like people say like oh yeah like being a player is so hard to be like playing perfect in that moment and stuff like that and I think it's just like the skills between tos and players are very different in terms of what determines like their success and everything like that. Um. So then I think that sort of the problem is that, you know, to make this more sustainable, like the TOs and the staff should be able to get some returns on it. And I think that's sort of like the biggest issue because, you know, to do that, you know, to make this really sustainable, you know, right now we've been sort of banking on the goodwill of TOs and volunteers and all of that to make events run, and they do it out of the love of the game, which is sure, which is good. But like, in a sense, like it isn't like banking on goodwill isn't sustainable, and that's sort of my biggest issue about it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, at the end of the day, right, we're still doing this as a passion project, but if you think about you know, the ideal situation for a TO or a streamer or anything. It's, let's say they can continue to do it and on the side or whatever, but if there's ever a situation where they need to sacrifice that for their day job or or for anything that, you know, contributes to their actual well-being and, and you know, helps them survive, then the first thing that's going to go is a, is an unpaid internship, like you said. And so I think what that really does is they're, they're good. They've proven that they'll do it without getting paid. That's already established. But if you think about, as you said, the longevity and sustainability of all of this, mm-hmm. it needs to at least be like side hustle wages, you know, like we're not talking about giving someone $45,000 a year for, you know, if they run a weekly or something, but there's still got to be some sort of trade-off. I think you're absolutely right. And that kind of ties into the second point I wanted to make, which is how, you know, pretty much what ideas are valid in mm-hmm. how the Melee community raises money. I think that's a really important thing to, to touch on, too, because I think right now we're seeing, I think, some really good discussion on Twitter, which seems like an oxymoron, but it's <laughs> really going on, like, Obviously, the Ginger released, uh, released. he came out with a bunch of ideas, we'll talk about that in a second, um, about how tournaments can raise more money, but really just kind of, there's a lot of discussion on one particular idea, which is increasing the venue fee, or the entry fee for singles, rather. Um, There are a few reasons why I tend to disagree with this, especially after watching um, a video by Tafo. Um, which I recommend to everyone who is kind of looking into this. Um, he released a, a Tafo Talks going kind of through all the all the different arguments, and it's a really good video. I highly recommend it. But essentially what he argues is that um, that isn't necessarily going to double it because there are some people that are local, and are not going to enter melee if it's in, you know if they're trying to save money if it twenty dollars might scare some people off. Um, also, some people who are let's say ultimate players or, or play a different game and just want to try out melee, they're going to be scared off by a twenty dollar entry fee as well. Mm-hmm. And so, 
you can't really look at that as a feasible source of income, even if it's picking up a lot of traction, you know, no surprise by top players um, as, you know, a, a kind of easy solution to, to solving some of these problems. Um, right now there's a lot of, a lot of disagreements on that. So do you have a, do you have a take on, on increasing venue fee or entry fee? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, it's okay if, like, some people, like, want to try it out or test it out for their tournaments, and, like, that's fine. But I think that, you know, it's not that one solution is going to solve it all. We're, we're talking about restructuring the communities to make it more sustainable for everyone in it, right? And so, you know, while that may help, like, I think the problem is that when people talk about ideas on Twitter, they talk about, like, oh, what about this thing or what about this thing? But we're not really talking about stuff in tandem or like how synergetic these different ideas work well together, you know, mm -hmm. because if we're, you know, if we want to like monetize VODs and then, and like sell, like I saw the idea of Ginger of like selling slippy VODs, which isn't a half bad idea, you know, but then also we're raising the venue fee and stuff like that. I think the biggest thing is that, you know, people have in their heads like a set amount that they want to spend. And so, you know, that might not want to go to, just the venue fee right like they want to buy merch or a new controller or posters or whatever that you know they're vendors also for artists and stuff i think you know and then we're talking about yeah we're really talking about like we need ideas that one work well together and it's because no idea will really work on its own and no like and i think that's why like there's like a lot of reason why i also don't get into these sort of discussions because like we're talking about like one idea but i also just don't think one idea will like fix everything and that's the thing and that's kind of why i like ginger's like approach to it even though you know i don't agree with like some of his ideas i think though you know when you see a successful esport like in the bigger sense it's about bringing a product back to the viewer right and so the best way i think people are going about the wrong way or where it's how can we get money how can we find money like and you know, we can increase this, decrease that or whatever, whatever to, you know, make the price feel better. But we're not really talking about like, we're talking about like, yeah, where, where can we increase stuff? But that's easy. It's always easy to increase stuff. It's just like, say uh, the government saying like, oh yeah, let's just increase taxes, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, but it's obviously not that simple. I think the biggest thing is that you're, you know, we have 10,000 viewers and it's like, how do we monetize that? right like how do we monetize those viewers and like obviously people are like oh you can like donate as much as you want if you really enjoy the tournament and stuff like that and like that again isn't like you know something super reliable and i think that's like the problem with it and we want something reliable or we need something reliable as a community uh but you know if you look at you know like maybe lol dota csgo all of that all of that shit like they they do stuff that help like that gives value back to whoever's watching it, whoever's just a fan of it. And I think that's sort of what we're missing. Right. So there's a couple, couple things you said I want to touch on. Um, <clears throat> just on that last point with League of Legends and, uh, and Dota 2. Um, I think that's, you know, purely off the table, but the concepts of it. So the, what they do, right, is they kind of give compendium goals and they give skins and they give rewards to people watching. Um, because that's kind of what developers can do, right? But I think the concept of going towards the viewers and monetizing the viewers is something that I I think we really need to, to spend a lot of time on as a community. And I don't have any sound ideas, really, at least not yet, because I think I'm going to continue like exploring this and, and mm -hmm. really trying to figure it out with everyone else. Um, but... There, you know, there's the two routes. Do you, do you monetize the people that are going to tournaments already? Do we try to sell more to them? Do we, you know, try to, as we said before, the very simple increase entry fee, or do we look to the 90,000 people that are watching um, or 120,000 for Evo or whatever it is and try to figure out ways to sell to them? And, I think you're absolutely right. Like that is where we should look towards. And there are tons of ways to do that. Uh, I like Ginger's um, idea. He posted to sell access to slippy VODs. Um, and again, it's not like, 
oh, we're going to sell access to Slippy Vods? All right, that's our idea. We're going to put all our eggs in one basket. That's what's going to save the community. It's not about that. It's about a bunch of different ideas kind of getting patched onto our existing infrastructure and constantly trying to find more and more ways to support our players, our TOs, and our community, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that's that's kind of where we're at. It's it's how do we monetize our viewers? At least this is where I'm at. How do we monetize viewers and how do we synergistically bring a bunch of ideas together, you know? Um, and kind of kind of just sticking with this a little bit uh some of some more of ginger's ideas while i have it up um you know paid meet and greets and friendly sessions um mm -hmm. that's a that's a good way i think to kind of just directly if you think about like money matches that's pretty much a friendly <laughs> a paid friendly session um yeah i mean that already happens right so it's kind of in the same vein um and those are definitely on the side of monetizing attendees um which has kind of a cap to it really we're already spending money to travel to the tournament get a hotel get food for the weekend um and pay for the venue fee and all that so there's only so much more money that we're willing to spend either on art or plushies or controllers or meet and greets and friendly sessions so i don't think they're bad ideas by any means but um, they just have to be kind of met with, with realism a little bit, you know, who's going to be willing to spend that money. Um, mm -hmm. do you have any ideas on that? Yeah, I think it's sort of hard and I think it will, it's because we don't have ideas of like what products people want. So really, you know, instead of asking of where, you know, it, we're sort of chasing the money, but we're not really looking for what people actually want and i feel like that's not a question that's actually going out a lot um that's not really coming out a lot right now is you know i think more research has to be done and i don't have any off the top of my head besides the slippy vods one which i really like where it's you know what is something that people want where people would actually realistically pay for it or whatever you know i mean like if they wanted to do like private panels where you know it's like sub only chats to do it and stuff like that i think like that might be a good thing mm. you know like so panels where it's like okay like we'll get we'll sit down with both mango and leffen it's like a round table with like axe and whatnot and you know they can answer questions or whatever and make it like more of a convention type thing like if they want to do it like that or if they want to do you know something else and i think the thing is with melees that we've gotten bigger and bigger and we're like oh look at all these amenities and all of that without really thinking of, you know, where can we actually find value in it and stuff like that. So, like, for example, you know, I, uh, yeah, again, like, player panels and stuff like that, similar to, like, you know, what you would see with TV shows or anime or some stuff where, you know, the creators or drawers or story writers all come up and, like, answer questions about, you know, their show or whatever, right? Like, that could work really well. Yeah. I um, but it's it's about finding a product that people would actually want. And I think we're going about it in the wrong way where mostly what I've seen on Twitter is looking for where we can find pockets where, you know, we could profit off of it. But I feel like that inherently will... There's just pitfalls there just because... Yeah, there's just pitfalls there versus looking to see what good products... Like, if we just put out a good product, people pay, will pay for it. Like, that's just inherently true. So, uh, sort of... You know, as you've quoted Slime before, in I because I read your blog post actually, and it's about selling Doritos, but we don't have our Doritos yet, so we're one step behind more on that. You know, right? I think a big issue, uh, you know, something that I actually want to get into is uh, Levin and like other big streamers' complaints of like, yeah, you know, it's starting to become less and less beneficial for me to go to tournaments because of how many subs I lose and stuff like that, right? And I think. That's actually something that the FGC as a whole talks about. Like I was listening to Afternoon Tea with Say Jam and uh, Vicious Vish and um, Filipino Man and uh, FGC Brian. I forget his. I forget his tag. I, that's really funny. Um. Anyway, they were talking about it. And, like these, these are like really big casters or players and 
like really renowned members of like the general FGC, mainly Street Fighter community and or Dragon Ball. And, you know, talking about going to tournaments isn't the same as streaming. And that's sort of the point of it. It's a way to for you to actually build your brand, yeah, you know, yeah. and I think, you know, when you go to a tournament, you shouldn't like be like, com- I feel like it's apples and oranges, right? Like winning big house is as good as your brand as like probably streaming for two months straight. Right. Like, and like doing well in those tournaments and have those places and putting your brand out there in competition under placings and all of that, that sort of is something that's invaluable that streaming won't give you, you know? Right. And I think that's a really big issue is that like you see players like Leffen complain about, you know, like, oh yeah, like in three days, like I lose so much money from like viewers and stuff like that. Like I should just keep streaming. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you could just keep streaming, but then, you know, that's not your brand anymore as a competitor, which is a big deal. Yeah. And, and kind of sticking on that point, the, the building brands from tournaments, like I would love to see some, some data scientists take a look at, let's, let's look at Mango. Cause I think he obviously is the, the biggest streamer in the melee community right now. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see how his subscri- uh, subscriber count correlates to his tournament placings. I really think, there has to be some sort of correlation, right? I mean, maybe not. Maybe he it more correlates with, you know, if I mean, he's streaming. There might be too many factors and just how, and how he realistically goes about streaming. But you got to think that as a case study, if he were to stream for the same times week after week, you know, placing ninth versus placing first, things like that, um, you, there, there must be an uptick. Yeah, I mean, we can even look at a smaller case like Axe, where he gained something like three to five thousand subs after winning Summit. Like really? he gained like four thousand. Yeah, shit. that from what I heard, like don't. From what I heard, it was like something like three thousand subs from, from, from just winning. Summit. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me, man. And I think that's where that's where you said it. It's like it's completely missing the point of why you go to these tournaments and it, it gets brought up every single time by like Armada and Leffen. And I don't know if they, I'm not going to like discredit what they're saying because you look at the numbers of it. It's like, okay, when you're trying to make ends meet and you're trying to, you know, save money so you're not struggling and pay rent and all, all these things, you're looking at what can I do to make myself money? What does it take to get to that point? And for Leffen, like, I think he needs to understand that if he just stopped going to tournaments, that number would dwindle. On the, on the flip side of that, Zero has had an incredibly successful solo career in streaming. He's stopped going to tournaments completely, and he's been able to completely sustain himself with what he does. So that's kind of the counterpoint to that. Even though he, he, must, he might have completely crossed that threshold of what it's important anymore just by virtue of being the best Smash 4 player by a wide margin. So he might be an anomaly in this case. It's it's very interesting, you know, looking at him specifically. Um, also with Zero, like, I, I he, he kind of, not to stay on him too long, but when he brought up the 57 tournaments, $45,000, I think that would have been a good opportunity for him to bring some acknowledgement to what he has now because of those tournament wins you know it kind of um added fuel to the fire of like we have no money and the despair of it all um but i wish he he gave a little more credence to the idea of like yeah look at my brand now like he he can (laughs) he has a a complete army of people that would watch everything he puts out and, and he's doing fine for himself so I don't know. There, there's a lot of levels to it, you know. It, it's it's pretty tricky. I think also the the thing is is that you know when we talk about player brand and stuff like that, it's like, I mean, our fiction and and IBW amazing players, like definitely and one hundred percent, they should have sponsors. But you know, you gotta ask at the same time. Why do you think like players like Hugs have sponsors despite you know sort of falling off a little bit? I mean, still in the top fifty, but you know. He, he was never, you know, for the longest time, top 10 in Melee, right? Right. He was, you know, at his best, I think, 15, right? Which is still really respectable. But, you know, why do you think players like those, and even Lucky, who, like, fluctuates a lot as a player 
in terms of like performances retain their sponsors versus you know someone who consistently you know places top three in doubles and like is a perennial top eight placer so then you have to also have to think like there must be other skills in getting a sponsor for that sustainability and i think people are like expect that doing well in tournament will just get you a sponsor and it's just the fact is that for an esports company that's <laughs> that's not enough which sucks but it's also the truth and i think that there's a sort of disparity sometimes where people th- have an idea but it's just not how it is like just not the way it works right no that's really interesting about obviously fiction and ibdw two of the best fox players they're both easily top 15 ibdw is ranked 10th what was fiction ranked uh i think fiction was 15th yeah so they're just they're up there like just the best of the best and they're both unsponsored and i'm not going to sit here and throw shade but you look at their twitters and sometimes they're a little contentious and sometimes they have you know i'm not saying this is why they're unsponsored but you have to look at the whole picture right you have to look at what makes someone really sponsor desirable desirable right and i mean it's just like getting good grades in school right and college like you can get good grades in school and that's all you can do but like colleges do look for other shit also right no i absolutely agree and i think you know they're both they're both developing their streams more and i think they're they're going to have success with their streams over time um and Mm -hmm. this is another thing melee streaming right yeah melee streaming melee streaming it does, doesn't get good viewership um especially compared to a ton of different games i mean some people might be able to pull it off obviously whenever mango streams he's you know one to three thousand viewers which is more than enough but um on any given day melee is not always up there which is really interesting to me that maybe maybe companies are looking at melee in the long run and saying like, oh, yeah, okay, you're getting 90,000 in your peaks. You're getting really big weekend viewership. But for the most part on Twitch, you guys are, are not relevant. Do you think that's something that's kind of playing a role in all this? Yeah. I mean, 100%. I mean, you know, you think of like what's successful in terms of Twitch and stuff like that. And it's like really some stuff that is interactive for, the players and you know you don't have to even though a really great example of someone being really interactive with his chat is you know ludwig right like ludwig has really grown his channel and also does it on different platforms like youtube but also is just his twitch by himself is he is very interactive with his chat and you know does stuff that i haven't seen other people do and he's not you know known for his play you know just outright and but you know people still tune in because He'll do stuff like, okay, like, Twitch, we have $200, we're gonna vote. I mean, Twitch votes on his stream, like, 9 out of 10 times. Like, Ludwig doesn't really, I mean, like, granted he does, but, I mean, he lets Twitch make most of the decisions on the stream a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. When, like, if there is an option for Twitch to choose, he'll let them. And I think that's really big, and I think it's just the problem is when you're practicing melee and you're grinding and trying to get good, all of your focus is on that. But then it's not on this on, you know, the Twitch chat who's actually viewing you. And I think that's the biggest thing is how do you both have content that improves you as a player where you're not, you know, when you're just focusing and versus other times where, you know, you're talking through your decisions. And the problem is melee happens so fast that, you know, it's really hard to talk through those decisions and stuff like that. Yeah. No, I mean, as as much shit as I give Ludwig, like he's exceptionally good at growing his brand and creating content like those are his like sweet spots right and so through his work and kind of how he leveraged himself through the bad melee podcast and all that i think it's a really important thing for a lot of our players to study now granted as you said he, he didn't come up as a player and and even though he's firmly a melee community guy he hasn't been you know grinding tournaments the same way and and practicing and all that so there's you kind of have to take his strategies and then adapt them towards yourself but it's without a doubt that he has figured out some keys to growing an audience and and putting stuff out there that puts his brand just 
you know, on the up and up consistently. And so mm-hmm. what what's interesting to me is that a lot of these players will, I mean, this, this is another reason why I sympathize with players so much. I mean, if you look at melee as a sport, if you look at it as the esport that it is, it's wonderfully complex. It's impossibly difficult. It's infinitely rewarding, and it's just pure gameplay, right? So mm-hmm. th- that's why we're drawn to it. That's why we're inspired to create this podcast, and and why everyone you know does all the work it does passionately to improve the community. But that doesn't exactly coincide with brand building necessarily i mean there are some things that that do coincide obviously when you play and you get better and you end up on stream at a big tournament like that's great for you like everyone knows who ivdw is now just because he's been kicking everyone's ass so that that gets you to a point but you know there's only so much that you can do by playing melee and there's only so much so much melee you could play in one day without literally breaking yourself that after a while, you you have to kind of reconcile these two, not exactly you know parallel goals that you have. I think that's the difficulty a lot of people are facing right now, um, and that goes for TOs and content creators too. Is that you know your passion for melee and what you want to put towards the game is not necessarily what's going to make you a living, and I think that's kind of where the conversation lands. It kind of brings us back to you know, tactical strategies of how do we make this happen? And, and that's the difficulty of it, right? It's like making, you know, I, I'm sure Ludwig, like, I, I don't know what he's passionate about. I'm sure he loves making people, like, you know, entertaining people and, and all this stuff. But um, I'm I'm sure some of what he does is a tactical decision of, of this will create good content. You know, this will get people to watch me more. And so... I, I would love to actually hear him sit down for a while and, and, or maybe just behind closed doors. Like I would love to see him coach, you know, fiction. That'd be, that would actually be hilarious. Actually. Yeah. I would watch that. I would watch the shit out of like, out of like, like a Tafo zero to hero, but for streaming. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. We should pitch that idea. If we get royalties. Yeah. I'm down. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's a completely different mindset. It's a different skill. And um, yeah. I think the sooner these players realize that just like getting better is not like even Mango, right? Like Mango was the best player for a long time that, that got him really far, but he had to develop his own skills as a streamer, um, as a variety streamer, as an entertainer, you know, as a storyteller. And that is what has led him to such a successful streaming career, not simply how he plays the game. Yeah, I mean, and even other players like HBox, and he does his, like, reaction video stuff and, like, you know, hungry as fuck and, and all that. And Armada still doing the tried and tested, like, here's my opinion on Smash and here's my opinion on this character and here's my analysis of this character or is this character broken? Like, you know, I think it's just finding their own voice. And I think the biggest thing is that, you know, Yes, Fiction and, and Cody have both got into really the upper, upper echelon, the 1% in terms of skill, right? Um, and it's reflected in their gameplay and their placings. But have they, you know, they're still very much fledglings in developing their brand and developing their voice. And I think that's the biggest thing is that a lot of the time you start out by just getting good at melee, but you don't have your own brand at that time you know and even zane like zane's been there maybe a little longer than fiction and cody and you know zane also a little bit higher up just because he's won like majors and plays more consistently and stuff but you know he doesn't do a stream or anything and if he does it's like a very you know very low key yeah he streams and he literally just plays and you know he's so good that people will just tune in and watch him play but um is he getting the same amount as if he were much more interactive you know the the same sort of skills we just talked about yeah but you also don't see him trying to get the same amount granted he also has a sponsor which is the main difference but you look at like maybe a player like just outside of the top 20 right kjh number 21 you know i recently subscribed to his patreon for five bucks and for five bucks like you get so much content like i got 
folders with every like so he like you get so much content and it's not just his discord it's not just his like private unlisted youtube videos which are also really cool of his like certain friendlies that are private you know with zane or with ginger or whatever but it's also like the biggest thing is he actually has guides written out that you can see quizzes for f- matchups he has like a, an entire like drive dedicated to smash gifts oh and it's categorized per like for each character so that it's like oh how do i play fox samus and then you you click samus and then you it goes neutral punish game do's and don'ts and then you open those up and each of them have at least three gifts of it with an explanation of why this gif is on there and that's for five bucks right and i think that's the thing is like maybe also like you know i think it's tough because melee sets a really low bar on on you know how much something should cost but at the same time like that's a steal for five bucks like i would easily pay 10 for it but that's sort of the product that is selling you know right and that's not saying that's the only way to go but like you know what are the new by new guys selling you know again it goes back to your blog but like what are the doritos you know like they haven't found their cool ranch yet right and you look at drug fox too right and his patreon and the amount of value you get is not just your own lessons if you pay for them but you get every single lesson right like he he posts all of it and so I think the focus for a lot of these players should not be what do I get from this is what can I give for, for, you know, what do I offer? What, what skills have I developed that I can give to the community and, and hopefully make something back. But I think KJH's model and drug Fox's model of, you know, Patreon plus value, um, as you said, you'd pay, you'd easily pay $10 for this. And, no, I, I easily would. Right, yeah. Right. And so I think that has to be the main conversation with these with these players. Um, besides increasing the quality of the stream, which I'm sure they're doing, um, it's just what is the content I'm I'm putting out there, and, and will people actually pay for this? And yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I was just gonna throw a number out. Like, I've you know been with Drug Fox for maybe like. 15 months now right like a little over a year i've you know calculated i just calculated it i've thrown like 1200 bucks at at sammy wow (laughs) you know like when you put it out like that and that's for you know just two lessons a month you know so it really adds up you know when you think of value and think of how many subscribers sammy has right yeah no for sure i think um maybe if there's going to be a a seminar it could be wow imagine a panel at a tournament that's like how to grow your brand and it's like kjh drug fox ludwig and slime even no no he, slime's actually really and then, and then gary v shows yeah gary, it yeah um, i actually i actually texted gary v hoping hoping you know how he's doing the whole text campaign thing yeah yeah i was very cu- curious about that oh man i i was uh i was hoping for it definitely not but I gave him the whole spiel, you know, our communities and you know, looking for ways to monetize. And I used all of his buzzwords. Didn't work. But um, I, oh, well. I want to talk about Slime a little bit because um, obviously yeah. he's been having, um, I think his opinions on this topic are really level-headed as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I used his metaphor in the blog I wrote um, about, you know, you're just a gamer that sells Doritos, right? So so that, that there's enough said about that, but what his kind of trajectory was and again you know similar to ludwig like they they play the game and they love the game but they didn't come up as players so what they did was they they had a podcast and then they you know made a shitload of content and slime ended up getting a really good gig at a at at bts and now he's one i don't know his exact role but everyone knows he works for them and he does a lot of stuff with them right so what I kind of picked up from that is something I mentioned before, like being a TO and being involved, using your melee skills to leverage that into a, a, a career. I think we need to set our goals of, of what we really want out of our lives, not, not just out of melee and, and what do we want out of the game, but like what would actually like lead us to be happy and, and to be fulfilled. And I think what melee can offer a lot of the time 
is networking and skill development, especially networking, right? Um, yeah. I think, like, okay, so fiction, back to fiction a little bit, but it, it all ties in. Um, he's making a game, right? Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, he wears the hoodie when he plays on the stream. Right. And so you could look at it very one-dimensionally, like, what money does he make from a bracket? Which is how this whole argument started, was looking at how much money he made from placing top eight, which is what, like $200 or something? But mm-hmm. once that game gets made, and that game goes on sale, do you not think it, it sells more because he's at this level of player? You know? I mean, yeah, I mean, like, we're definitely going to buy it, aren't we? Like, clearly, clearly he's going to have a huge audience because of this game. And I think those intangibles are what's really being left out of this whole conversation. Um, so uh, looking at Cody, and, and I hate to dwell on them too much because I know, you know, it's very unique situations and all that. But I mean, but they're also the two biggest up and coming. Like they performed awesome, like within the last few months. So like, right. I don't think we're really digging on them. Yeah. But, you know, we're just talking about it- the yeah the marketing aspect exactly so i think because they're amazing players like i don't see how we're no right right right. (laughs) throwing shade right right right. but um i think if cody wanted to i mean he's in such a a great position to kind of figure out what he can do besides just play the game right like grow stream play the game but what can he do that could actually bring him some solid cash some solid money Mm -hmm. and kind of jumpstart off of what he has now and kind of grab that i i really think that's super viable because you look at what he's accomplished um back to tafo he had a tweet saying like okay just because i put four thousand hours into superman 64 doesn't mean i should get paid for it then, mm-hmm. then he follows up and says well if if i am an employer and i see someone you know grinded four thousand hours in superman 64 i would see they're incredibly dedicated that's marketable Right. Same thing with Cody. Mm-hmm. If you look at his success, you could see that he's a dedicated person with a lot to offer. And so I think, yeah, it's tragic that Melee can't afford its players, but it's a reality we need to face. And mm-hmm. the truth of it is, there's going to have to be a point where you figure out, okay, this is what I love. This is what I'm going to do as long as my hands will <laughs> will survive. But in terms of making money, you know, I want to do xyz and put it out to the melee world or or use your networking or whatever and you know maybe he'll get a job at twitch like some of the other melee boys out there you know yeah i mean and also if we want to look at like um probably the best marketing fgc player out there it's not even mango it's it ha it has to be justin wong you know yeah like justin wong actually beat the esports team game like he he do you know that he's not with any esports team right now? Oh yeah, you're right. So so what he did just for a little context is you know after he was dropped by Echo Fox and and you know yeah, after Echo Fox, he was like, you know, why do I need to do an esports team where they have individual sponsors where you know for example like if he was with Echo Fox and they're they have a Red Bull sponsorship, he can't go to any events and sponsor Monster or be seen on it or you know whatever. And, but, you know, outside of that, it's like, you know, the esports team have the sponsors and then the, the esports team picks up the players to sort of be the billboards for the sponsors, right? And their jackets and their shirts and whatever, right? So Justin Wong having the incredible huge brand as one of the most iconic and one of the best American players out there, um, decided to skip the team part, stop, cut the middleman and just make his own jersey and have sponsors on it. And on top of that, he grew his YouTube, he grew his Twitter and Instagram. He has horrible tier lists and really bad hot takes, but it gets views and gets discussions going, right? It gets a lot of interactions. And he has a really big YouTube like channel and a Twitch channel too. But um, yeah, like he just like has his own jersey with a bunch of sponsors because he networked with them and said, hey, do you want to be on my jersey? And that's the Dorito. That's his cool ranch, right? And, you know, just to read it off, it's not just that. And also, granted, he's also, a, a you know, a dad this year. You know, he just had a kid. But he has sponsors with Gaming Stadium CS, Vitrix Pro, which is, makes one of the best fighting sticks right now. 
out there. GT Omega Racing, which makes uh, the gaming chairs. Elgato Gaming. Okamo, Okamoto Kitchen, which is an anime FGC food truck. <laughs> arcade 1UP, which makes mini arcade cabinets. DBH Gaming, which is apparel. Asus, Astro Gaming, and GameStop. Yeah. And on top of that, he has his own merch. Like, and he doesn't need an esports team to survive. I wonder if he has an agent or manager. Definitely, right? I mean, maybe not. I mean, we have to imagine that he... I mean, maybe some, like, sort of organizational body because he has so many... Like, I'm sure he has a crew, but, you know, he's always been really self-sufficient as a player from what I've known. And on top of that, like, his social media is Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. He has his own apparel. He has lots of codes and a Patreon. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, Justin Wong's another one of those examples where he was, like, champion of, like, five games or something. Like, he's just a god gamer. So, um it's a little it's a little hard to replicate his exact story but you're right like it doesn't have to come from the developers and it doesn't have to come straight from sponsors like there's so many avenues to get paid to get your paycheck and um a couple more points kind of you know on the same on the same topic like he what justin wong did was like he had so much attention on him and then he kept it going right so, mm-hmm. you know, he'd win a tournament, all this stuff, but now he's making content consistently and, and he has that brand. He has that voice. He has something you kind of know what to expect from him. So mm-hmm. melee players need to kind of figure that out for themselves. I think Ginger is a really good example of how to cultivate that as well. You know, of course, he's a top 20, top 25 player, but when you go to his youtube channel you know he's going to be doing educational content you know that he's going to be very inclusive and that it's going to be a space where anyone can go and and watch um that sort of branding and and voice finding i mean ginger's been on the scene for years and years it took a while for him to get there and so i think that's that's one thing that i think a lot of melee players need to realize is like KJH the same way. Like, you know, he's going to be doing really specific, highly specific melee tech content. And that's just who he is, right? Like, that's what he's developed, what he's Mm -hmm. cultivated. So I think the point I I want to make here is, like, for any level of player, you know, the top, you know, or fringe top 100 or just starting off, you know, the goals that we set for ourselves are, I think, not, not, not the most important part, you know, how you get to where you get to doesn't matter. But if you're, you know, are you, if you're finding your voice and, and creating content that's important to you and, you know, just, you know, trying your best and, and constantly grinding towards it, um, there's no reason why Melee can't be a fruitful game for people. But if we're just looking at tournament earnings, it's a long way away from that actually happening. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, definitely. Man, so that really felt like I um I learned a lot just from from talking with you on that. Um, yeah, no, we we covered a lot of topics. Yeah. Um, one last thing that Ginger brought up: the water tanks at venues, a dunk tank. I mean, yeah, I would. Yeah, that would be fun. I'd throw a few balls to get Music King dunked in the water. I think uh, Thunder Gaming actually tweeted about it. I don't know if he was just memeing on what Ginger said. Um, I think they'll do it. I think it's meme enough that it will happen. Right. I mean, there's a cost-benefit analysis there of how much it would cost to rent a, uh, a, a dunk, dunk tank. <laughs> a dunk tank. Um, but I, I really hope that um, TOs... Oh, do you know what we didn't talk about? What? A circuit. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's not like we have too much insight. I mean, we're not in the TO squad. Um, We don't have real leverage over that. We don't know what the TOs are thinking. Um, Back to kind of what Tafo said in his video, one point that I picked up on that was a lot of TOs have conflicting interests with what they want out of a a circuit. So Mm -hmm. 
like yeah it would be really good to get all the tournaments together let's say like eight or ten tournaments that way you could actually package it to um to a brand that would do marketing with it get an actual paycheck like that's really big but the difficulties of you know this this venue um you know there'd be there'd be different power dynamics of like okay the big house versus smash and splash like one's more developed than the other you know who gets more authority there and you know there's no real power structure of who would who would be in charge of the whole thing and some people want to cater to attendees while other people want to maximize viewership you know all these different conflicting principles makes it a very difficult proposition but in my opinion i think if we could pull off a circuit we'd be in you know three four times more better position with all this stuff what do you think yeah i mean definitely it's just how you know the more you package something the more possibility there is to actually make a deal out of it like that's just sort of standard business right and so yeah i mean it's just the problem is can you get everyone to align so that's less of like a feasible you know the feasibility comes in you know making sure that like aiden from egtv you know endgame tv and jug guy from big house and sheridan from genesis all can like come together to do it right and to build a circuit and you know once you have that you have to think of it like as a like if you go up to doritos just we're gonna run with the doritos thing till the end of the show but like um you know if you go up to doritos and be like hey you know like everyone can see your new flavor you know that's roughly like seventy five thousand people per event we got 10 events you know like that that is a really big thing yeah no it would be a huge success i mean i i wish i had any influence at all any anything i could do to make that happen i I, it's just kind of out of reach yeah it's just unfortunately we're not there at all yeah but we can wish we can support it i mean we can yeah we could just throw our love out for anyone hoping for the idea working to make that happen um Mm -hmm. but that might be one of the better ideas that has come out of this whole discussion but we've been i mean the community's been talking about a circuit for years you know yeah and i feel like you know i'm i'm not a to so it's sort of hard to really know the logistics of of that sort of thing right i i i put a tweet out i'm still hoping on on this happening but i really want to sit down with um with the to and and discuss all this stuff with them sometime soon because um this is kind of a topic i don't you know we we i think we had a really good discussion just now about all the things that have been discussed and our own opinions on it um Uh it's just a, a conversation i think that's the longer it goes on the better it is for everyone frankly yeah i definitely agree i mean yeah, I mean, even Hacks just tweeted about it like eight minutes ago. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's a really funny tweet actually. Um, he goes, "One enough melee tournaments this year to be able to afford this meal. Grateful for the opportunity this game has given me." <laughs> and it's a lunchable, like it's three lunchable mini pizzas and a Kool Aid. That's amazing. But you know, you know, I mean, all all jokes aside, like that that's honestly a super funny tweet, but. <laughs> um yeah i mean all jokes aside (laughs) i mean yeah so pretty much just like it's a lot of things i think that like players need more branding but also you know how it's about making it sustainable right and and no one solution will really solve that yeah no it's it's gonna have to be um a community effort we're gonna to have to pitch a bunch of ideas and hopefully some of them will be implemented hopefully players will start to really double down on their brand building and their marketing um mm-hmm. understanding that content is not just like streaming like you need to actually mm-hmm. distribute your content you know we're, we're one to talk we, we don't we just kind of do our podcast and we haven't really chopped it up yet although we have plans to knock on wood we you know, I'm not sitting here saying it's easy, but um, the more you kind of put your stuff out there, the, the better it gets. Anyway, we obviously have more to talk about. We're we're coming up on the end here. Um, are, am I going to see you tomorrow? Are you going to Hex's nightclub? Yeah, yeah I'm going to Hex's nightclub. Okay, so, man. I mean, yeah, for my week, not too much is happening. Just training and, and the usual stuff. 
Um, actually, there's a new video game that I'm excited to play, so I might take a little bit of an off week this week and sort of chill because I played a lot last week. But uh, the creators of Skullgirls made a RPG that came out today, so I'm probably just going to play that right after this. Fuck yeah, man. And uh, I just came back from Vegas, but I think I'm going to talk about that next week because I lost a lot of money and I'm still not over it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a great topic. Anyway, man, um, this was a really good conversation. I will see you tomorrow. Yep. See you tomorrow. And uh, yeah. All right, man. See you later. All right. Peace, dude.